0: what's going on people welcome to another episode of a need to read i had the pleasure of sitting with Stuart knights he's a young entrepreneur also a uni student alongside owning two businesses now his passion and his main focus lies with public speaking that's why i wanted to get him on because i feel like that's something that's neglected nowadays and whether you're speaking to your mates in front of a large group speaking at a wedding speaking at a funeral speaking at work public speaking is everywhere so it is something people need to sort of keep an eye on, because it will benefit them if you get better at public speaking. But I'm not the best person to tell you that. Stuart's best to tell you about that. We had a good chat about public speaking, good chat about society, culture, loads of other things, actually, that I can't even remember because there was so many. But I'm glad to bring you this conversation. Got about an hour of us shooting the shit, as it were. So strap yourself in. And Well, Mr. Stuart Knights, welcome to A Need to Read.
1: Pleasure to be on the uh, on this infamous show. Honestly,
0: <laughs> it's good to have you on, mate. It's good to have you on. Um, for listeners that don't know you, Stuart, would you mind just introducing yourself a little bit about what you're about?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I love that question as well. What I'm about, but <laughs> I'm from Manchester, Stuart Knights, and I started my first business in the first year of university called Millennials Prez. And what we did was we just Gave public speaking consultancy to students, and then to TEDx speakers, and then to organisations. So that's been really fun to network through that. And then went to volunteer in Fiji. Uh, that was this, this past summer in 2019. Yeah. Then went to the US, did a bit of a study abroad experience there. Got out just before everything blew up. Yeah. And then that's where I started my second business, which is Context, which is an app to help people understand culture before they go abroad, and also whilst they're on their experiences. So that's yeah. what I'm about, I guess.
0: Mate, that's, that's a good story. That's a good story. And you haven't even <laughs> told people what you're doing at uni or anything like that. And, but I do just want to... Who, who cares about that? Who yeah. cares about that stuff? <laughs> exactly. I'd much rather say what are you about than what do you do? And yeah. it's good, it's exactly good to see sort of what you're about there. With, um, with that, can you just let everyone know how old you are, just so they can know how impressive it is that you've done all that? <laughs> 20 years old. 20 years young 20 years young mate it's very very impressive and that's exactly why i've got you on um because i don't i don't think many people have that entrepreneurial urge and the bottle to go through with it at such a young age and you've now got two businesses on topics that are so relevant um so Mm. firstly hats off to you appreciate it yeah it's a pleasure and um, I secondly, obviously, I asked you for your top three books before you came on, and they're interesting. They're so different to what um, anyone else would say. So, wh- which um, we'll start with your non-fiction books today on your, on your top three. Okay, which one do you want to go for first?
1: Hmm, it's a good question. I can't. Re- I can't remember which ones I put down now.
0: <laughs> I can. I can tell you. So you've got Why Nations Fail.
1: Oh, of course it was.
0: Yeah, let's start with that one. Have you, okay. have you researched any of this? Nope, I'm waiting for you to tell me about it.
1: <laughs> oh, this this book is amazing. Uh, I can't remember when I picked it up. I think it was probably just before I went to the US. Yeah. And at, like we were talking about before, books that you just can't put down before you go to sleep. That yeah. book is that. And it's such a rogue topic as well. It's on... Basically, extractive and inclusive economic and political institutions. And whilst that sounds so highbrow, all it means is political and economic institutions that, when considering the wider populace within the country that they're in, either extract wealth and power and that kind of stuff, or are inclusive with that power and wealth and stuff like that. Okay. And the reason I told you about it is the first example. I'm a big fan of like first chapter... Examples that yep. sort of give the whole context of the story, but they explain different facets and different niches and different elements throughout the book. Yeah. But this one, it uses the example of this, this town that's in both the US and Mexico called Nogales. And there's Nogales, Arizona, and I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of this, but it's Nogales, yeah, sure. Arizona and Mexico. And it talks about how in the US, it's this beautiful suburbia, classic US town. Yeah. And it's all got it going on. It's part of, well, part of North America. So it's doing pretty well for itself. And whilst you're in that, well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> good point. Yeah. So, but then whilst you're in that town, you can see Nogales, Mexico as well. Yeah. And because that's part of an uh, economic institution, which is typically extractive as far as political and economics go, it's much less developed. The happiness index is much lower. People there are much more there's, there's a high rate of unemployment whilst whilst over yeah. there as opposed to in the US. And it just talks about how th- this is the same place pretty much. Yeah. Separated by a thin line of, of corrugated iron. Yeah. And just wall. Is two it the different wall? worlds.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I probably, probably is the world. If yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, so yeah. it's almost like the sun shining on one part and it's raining on the other and you've got that equal split of just sort of like, right, well, this is the sunny suburbia. Everyone's out the front mowing their wands. Everyone's sort of working for... It's not like a... When you mean sort of extractive, can you explain that? So when you sort talk about extractive, whatever you said. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I guess like the the way the way you
1: described it was that you've got... So inclusive would be, say I make... 100 pounds, $100 if we're in America. Yeah. And that wealth is then, is then mine. I own that wealth. I can okay. then spend that however I want, like a good consumer, You know, yeah. buying my podcast mics, buying whatever it may be. Yeah. But in Nogales and in the sightload of countries in Africa as well that have the same type of political makeup, but what it would be is I earn 100 pounds or whatever the currency is. And it's just taken from me. And then spent on my behalf
0: but by the government and on projects that don't benefit me okay also so like the pitfalls of a communist society kind of exactly exactly that okay all right that's that's interesting so and that's literally the that's the first chapter and that's how they kick it off and then they go through a lot of different examples sort of throughout the world of of different parts of which nation that failed stood out most
1: (sighs) That's a that's a good point, I think. Just just from memory, it talked about what was it? I think the most interesting one was Ghana, I think they used. Yeah. Just because of the example, which was this this school bought this new library. Yeah. Right. They had an old library; it was fine. The library was perfect, but they bought this new library, and the architecture of it was like an inverted sort of spire. So it came up on both sides and went down in the middle.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, got you.
1: Yeah, kind of like a kind of like a bucket almost. That yep. was like what the roof looked like. And the government were like, "Yeah, let's make this new library, this new modernist take on this educational system. Let's put it out there. Everyone will be so impressed." Yeah, and. It was, it, there was no benefit for the people whatsoever. Like the roads leading up to the school, pr- pretty much unoperable. Yeah. And then everyone living in abject poverty. But they built this thing just as a monument. So I guess, I don't know, education, yeah. how ironic that may be. But then, even that, the architect that built it was an architect who had graduated from the school, but wasn't actually that good. And Within a mm-hmm. few weeks, the roof collapsed.
0: Yeah. Because obviously, and it just did it fill up with water or is it was just, just structurally. Exactly. Out?
1: Yeah. It's got a massive bucket
0: <laughs> yeah. basically on
1: the top of this building, and it just filled up with water and it just collapsed. And oh it, they were just talking about the fact that it was kind of a monument, not in the way that they'd intended it, but yeah. in the way that the economic and political institutions were operating, that they d- developed this thing just as a wow factor.
0: Yeah. And it caved in. Okay. And what, so they spent state money or like the, the local town's money or taxes or, or however they work over there on this monument yeah. as if to sort of like get their dick out and be like, look how much we care about education. Exactly. But they've, exactly. I'm, I'm imagining this, uh, this library to be almost like an, a straight line M. So up, down, up. And then just that yeah. bit in the middle is what's collecting all the water mm. yeah i mean you'd think as an architect you probably have a better idea than that let, let the that's water the sort of run off the roof but i suppose that's that's the irony of it <laughs>
1: yeah i mean i guess i thought i'd have thought of that i'd like to think yeah but and you're not even unfortunately architect. well well that's what i that's what i wanted to be in a past life but you know maths <laughs> is not my strong suit
0: so yeah. I, I don't think i'll ever be there Oh, there's still time. There's still time. You've got plenty of time. Who knows what you're going to be doing? You no. might go to Ghana <laughs> and create some libraries that work a little bit better. Um, That's the dream. Yeah. So um, interesting you said about the whole sort of failing of nations. If we were to look at modern society in 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 the modern world, can you think of any countries that may be doing that at the moment where they're using because people talk about, so I, I don't know much about the sort of political structure of the world and, and you may not either, but I'm imagining, you know, more mm. than me. Um, places like Russia and China, where you get a lot of people saying, oh, they're communists. Are they, are they actually in that way from, from what you may know about it, from what you potentially read in that book? Mm. Is, is that, I think, how it works
1: no, not, not, yeah. not for the book anyway. They, they spoke about how the kind of perception is, you know, China and Russia, these communist states, but they're actually not. Like, the rise of China is a testament to the fact that it's not, it doesn't work like that. It's, it's this weird balance between capitalism and some communist ideologies, yeah. but not much really. And if you're looking for nations that are failing in a modern sense, like the U.S., yeah. With, with everything that's going on it's the decentralized the government almost so you have the central government that's got all the power but then you've got all these different factions like mayors that yeah. can basically say I don't believe in what you're saying I'll do it my own way. Yes, yeah, isn't it? It's crazy. And they're making like states bid for PPE as well. So it's make it's like a a nationwide eBay almost of trying to see who can bid the most but obviously the biggest the biggest states have the most money and the ones that have the most affluence. And if you're looking for extractive economic institutions, if you're taking money from different states in order for them to pay for PPE in a bidding system, that sounds pretty extractive.
0: Yeah, it's not really people-focused, is it, over in the States? You see a lot of, like, the documentaries. Have you ever watched any of uh, Kimbo Slice's, like, backyard fights? Because there yeah. are towns, mate, and they're just completely forgotten about, I feel. Mm. Like they, they, there's no sort of the infrastructure shit. The police don't seem to go around there because they feel it's too dangerous. And what it seems yeah. to be is that they've just given up on the people there. And it's like, well, that town's pretty shit. Let's just put our money in this one that might be better, might attract some people. Yeah. It's a bizarre, bizarre thing. So, what are you, when are we predicting that America falls? <laughs> I guess. I won't put you well, in that position, but if you've, if you've got a time, you tell me. Well, you know,
1: it, it, ever since I left, it seems that like everything's going, going downhill. So give it a few more weeks and um, we'll yeah. see what happens.
0: We'll, we'll be <laughs> to be fair, Kanye West is running for president.
1: Fair play to the guy. Like, um,
0: Yeah, he's a loony though.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> I guess like, he's... It, it, well, actually, I've got to say, I've about to say is he worse than the, the current sitting president, but he did compare himself to Jesus. So
0: I guess yeah. people like Jesus. roundabouts. Yeah. 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 It's, it's so funny. Isn't make it? Some
1: good tunes then
0: Yeah, exactly. National Anthem will get lit up.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I was just thinking that then it's going to get, oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I, the, our anthem needs a reboot, but
0: yeah, it's very true. That
1: one is going to be incredible.
0: Yeah that's that's an interesting actually is our anthem going to change when we don't have a queen anymore
1: would it just change like well who who's next in line is there a, is there a king up and coming
0: yeah charles man like charles is next in line but he's also yeah. old and dogged yeah true well that's a thought i don't
1: know yeah that i'd that, be that i'd be interested line, like... it,
0: if any, if anyone knows, um, obviously reach out and then, then I can tell Stuart as well. But um, that's yeah, interesting too. So, that so anyone that's interested at all in terms of sort of culture and society in that way, which I know you are, that book would be pretty good for them.
1: Yeah, I think that's really interesting actually because I hadn't thought about it through that lens, but it does t- sort of touch upon how the extractive and economic and inclusive economic institutions also inspire a culture that is formed around what is possible with that going on. So like job stability, for example, if you're in an extractive economic institution, you wanna be spinning as many plates as possible in order to just pick up the crumbs that that are left for you. So a lot more flexibility, a lot less job security. Whereas in the US, maybe not now, but before, there was a lot more job security going into careers working for a while. So it's interesting how that culturally has been changed as well.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot more consumer culture in the extractive communities as opposed to the other one. I guess
1: it, I don't know. It's like more in the, in the extractive, it's more living by what you've got. So being like an entrepreneur out of necessity almost and making sure that you can provide Uh, with with what is left for you but in the inclusive one because you can retain your own wealth you I guess it is more consumer based because you are spending in the way that you would like to spend yeah sort of
0: you're given given the illusion of free will
1: exactly I was just about to say that yeah is it exactly how you want to spend but there is that illusion there there is that illusion
0: yeah it's an interesting book by Sam Harris and it's just it's it's essentially uh, a dissertation um, on free will it's like a 70 page book um and i read that it's just an, it's a very interesting look at it because he's such a smart guy and he mm. just essentially says that free will is essentially an illusion and we yeah. haven't got it we're we're forced upon all these ideas that we think are our own almost like an inception kind of basic mm. not that they're coming to us in our dreams but every waking minute they're pushing new products upon us which we have to buy have to do and we, we come mm. to the conclusion that we need this new thing by ourselves, but it's definitely not by ourselves. It's, it's been planted in there, whether you've driven past a billboard and seen the new iPhone or you've seen a friend with a new iPhone, like everyone's doing the marketing for these companies themselves.
1: Yeah,
0: um, It's, it's an is interesting strange. insight on it. But that's Sam Harris, who he'll be on the podcast one day. I'm going to keep emailing him every week. <laughs> yeah, please
1: do. I, that, that is
0: fantastic. That's
1: a really interesting book. I've never, I've never heard of that
0: one. Oh, they. I'm just obsessed with Sam Harris so I've just I've got everything everything mm. he's ever written I haven't read it all yet but I I mean because it is quite heavy most of his stuff apart from Waking Up which is his book about spirituality um, excluding religion that was quite a light mm. read but all of his others are really intense hard scientific yeah. like journals essentially just Elon 300 page papers it's mm. pretty mad pretty mad Jeez. Um, yeah, I didn't read on the subject of mad books, one of your books, I can't even say the name of it. Um, Nicomachean Ethics.
1: Oh yeah. Nicomachean Ethics. Yeah, there we
0: go. (laughs) By Aristotle. Yeah. That's an interesting book to have as one of your top. And and I'm so glad that it is because I'm, I'm worlds apart from Aristotle. And is he a Grecian philosopher? from yeah, years yeah. and years ago yeah okay so the origins of sort of a was it the origins of stoic philosophy at all or was he prior to that uh,
1: time? i think he was prior
0: to stoicism
1: he yeah. was like he was like 309 bc so knocking about then, kicking yeah just just
0: just before okay nice aristotle mm. and what spoke to you about this book what was what, what was it that made you pick it as one of the top three
1: yeah, it's, this book is incredible. And I'm just picking up all these books and I know that it's going to result in zero sales increase, but these <laughs> books are amazing. Like Aristotle's one, uh, I think I picked it up before I went to Fiji, but I was reading it whilst in Fiji. So I think I finished yeah. it in Fiji and it's all about the theory of happiness. And okay. I, I've always found happiness quite interesting because it's a really peculiar thing to strive for because... Mm-hmm you know, you're going for an emotion like, Oh, I want to be happy all the time. I want my life yeah. to be, to be clouds and sunshine and that kind of stuff. But it's more, he takes a step back. And it's something that I think has factored quite a lot into my life because he speaks about how every, every emotion is a spectrum from vice to vice with virtue in the center. So
0: okay. an,
1: an example would be if, if you were to go with happiness yeah. It would be like consistency in the center. So like consistency with your emotions and then like hysteria and then ultimate sadness on either side. So yeah. it's, and he does that for loads of different emotions and loads of different spectrums and then talks about how all of those contribute to that goal for happiness and how you can sort yeah. of recharacterize that in your own mind okay
0: it's interesting those sort of classic texts because they're they've obviously had the influence and all these modern sort of Mm. books about happiness like happiness trap happiness hypothesis all these books with happiness um Mm. in in the title and and it's quite it's a common theme that sort of the pursuit of happiness is a paradox and that we should all sort of learn to sort of sit with what is Mm. um and and be accepting like you say of that sort of spectrum or that continuum of feeling like shit to ultimate sort of almost mania where you're like super super happy and and learning where you're going to be on that spectrum and accepting that it is going to be fluid you are going to go from side to side at times Um, and how how intense is that book though because I've got a few of the sort of like classic older texts from people from around the same area like Seneca and Marcus Aurelius and I can only ever read about a page at a time and sort of sit there with a highlighter and be like okay well I understood that that makes sense to me um but they they are quite intense texts aren't they
1: yeah it's just the language is quite challenging at times I think Hmm. because the one thing is with with Greek language is obviously it's all translated from Latin anyway yeah and then words in Latin have about 600 different connotations. Yeah. So first off, massive credit to the people that managed to even get them close to an English transla- translation. Yeah. But even when they're in that, like you're right, like when, when they're even in the English form, I'm still struggling to figure out what, what is actually going on at times. But I think yeah. one thing that I've just sort of learned to do is just get through the book and stick with it. And then once you're at the end, try and bring together those pieces. And Goodreads is such a good one for that. Because obviously every time you finish reading, you can just write a little bit about what you've learned. Yeah. And just doing that can be really helpful because then you can piece it all together in your own mind. Yeah. And then maybe search for some, some critics who've yeah. actually gone through the book with a more, more sophisticated eye and yeah. see what they have to say.
0: Mate, that's that's the beautiful thing about the internet is there are a lot of great minds that are easily accessible And anyone that thinks that they have the greatest mind is a twat because there's always going to be someone smarter than you and they will have written about it because they care about getting that message across. Like when I read Lord of the Flies the other day, I was like, okay, well, this is what I've got from it. I, I, my, um, what do you call it? My analogies of things are unique, uh, to say the (laughs) least. People say that they like them. So I'm, I'm happy that's the case. But like comparing mm. Ralph in Lord of the Flies to Trump and... Um, yeah, Jack, that's an interesting Jack, take. It's a hot Jack, take. Jack to a younger version of the uh, therapist on Afterlife, Ricky Gervais, have you seen that? I haven't watched Afterlife. Uh, you know. Where he's just a typical alpha male, like, knob. And that's what <laughs> I felt, felt like uh, Jack was in Lord of the Flies. But um, mm. now I've lost my trail of thought. Well, that's a pretty curated perspective,
1: anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, if that's what, if that's what came in your own mind, and I'm relating that to, to popular culture, yeah. that's brilliant. Because I struggle with that; I, I struggle to find the the parallels at times. So, your mind is great in its in, in its yeah. own respect, Ed.
0: And yeah, there we go. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that, 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 that's you can use that as a testimonial for the show.
0: Yeah, nice, nice. Well, I I think it is important <laughs> to be able to make, especially things that were written so long ago, the yeah. re that you probably bought this Aristotle text is because through the years, other people have translated it into their own things and and diluted it, I imagine. Or Mm. or what, what actually, yeah. What drew you to it? I don't know. You know, I, I always
1: felt that the Greeks and the Renaissance era philosophers and that kind of stuff, like, what did they know that we don't know? Because we consider ourselves to be so sophisticated. I was listening to a podcast on it this mm. morning saying that at times we think this is the pinnacle of human existence. Our society is this conglomeration of all these different ideas and how could we not be the best that we yeah. are? But it takes you like five minutes to walk out of, out of your house and down the road to realise that we are definitely not the best society no. that we could be. Oh, so...
0: Mate, there's... You look around you. Sometimes, I think. God, I hope this isn't it. I hope. I hope <laughs> we can evolve beyond this. Honestly. Because when, well, we obviously we've evolved very, very rapidly over the last sort of two hundred, three hundred since the Industrial Revolution, whenever that was, like mid seventeen or eighteen hundreds, when they really yeah, started yeah, going around that time. It. And now you're in Manchester, I'm in Dorset, and we're on a Zoom call, and I can see you perfectly. You can see me perfectly. 50 years ago, that would have been completely alien. And what I love about that is when people are like, oh, I don't think that there could be anything out there in the universe in terms of like aliens and stuff like that. Like, I'm like, okay, well, if you grab a jet from now and drop that 100 years ago, all the scientists in the world could attack it and they think it's impossible. Mm. But who's to say that there's not some sort of like magnetic force floating machine UFO, alien spaceship that could Honestly. not come, come down here in 10 years. And we'll be like, oh, well, we don't know how that works. 50 years later, we're like, well, that's how you fly from England to Australia in four hours or something. Yeah. It, it would Honestly, seem alien, but mm. very rapidly it would become the norm. Mm. Honestly, wow. don't
1: even get me started on space and that <laughs> kind of stuff. It's just, it, it's, so, it's so interesting. I think there's um, a bit of a side as well when we're talking about sort of the progress of humanity and evolution, yeah, I don't know where I read this. It is the most random thing I think I've ever heard, but it kind of makes sense. It was talking about how, when we look at how we've evolved and how yeah. we kind of interact with our surroundings, like now we've got these things and yeah. the only reason that these aren't integrated into our body is because maybe people want a bit of a break from them because if, if they could put this in, into your arm, or something like that, they would do in a heartbeat, just because then it's fully integrated. But the the concept being that they were saying that when we talk about our evolutionary history and looking at where we've come from and how the the percent of time that we've been intelligent almost, which is yeah. minuscule, the next stage some believe is that it's automation, where it's this symbiosis between humans and well AI and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But not in the way that, it's not like Terminator. It's no. like we become almost software. For there. Are these software integrated into us in the future. And that's the next step because natural evolution can only take us so far.
0: Yeah. Elon Musk is working on that and says that there is, is something that will go in your brain within the next two or three years. Um, I want to say it's the Neuralink, but I also think that's a name for the tunnel that he's building underneath LA to solve the traffic issue. So I could be he's wrong. He's ripped
1: off the Eurolink there though, hasn't he? That's,
0: that's yeah, I so think yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the Eurostar, Euro maybe he's going to be the new, the oh, star. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. um, so he's working on that. So we all better get rich pretty quick. Otherwise we're going to be left behind and we're all going to turn to savages again. And uh, but Lord of the Flies, yeah, exactly, mate. We're gonna have to learn to fight real quick. (laughs) Oh, Um, I'd be out yeah I, mate, i'm happy to just pick the strawberries for everyone i'll i'll I'll, <laughs> cater, I'll cater to all the big strong men that want to go out and and home. i'll just i'll look after everyone um, honestly you need to get me on that job get me a reference and yeah. i'll be picking strawberry stone yeah nice nice I'll, well let's yeah maybe i'll uh see there it is capitalism i'm stepping up to manager and get people below me already we'd soon return so it happens so it happens it is <laughs> yeah. um so yeah interesting that aristotle is is one of your favorite books and i'm impressed by that because it just goes to show that you're you you're not like i almost avoid those kind of books i've got them but mm. i i'm t- having to force myself to read it just so that i really understand the minds that are almost behind all the kind of books i do read on philosophy um mm. like in, in an unfiltered down version um but you you spoke to me the other day about plato and plato's republic's a, a book that you're reading mm. and um, yeah we said about the fighting just then, but I, I sent you something that, that Plato was a grappler, wasn't he? Yeah. Pretty much yeah. did jiu-jitsu or wrestling, whichever, whichever it was, but it's that, um that physical sort mm. of endeavor helped one of the greatest minds that's ever lived.
1: Seriously. Yeah. And well, there you go. This is why, this is why you're next in line, you know, if you <laughs> do jiu-jitsu and then the, these insights on, on Lord of the Flies, that's, yeah. that's the next step. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's mad that, and, they were talking about how, they, well, there's another book that I didn't, I didn't put on the, on the list, but one hey, that I would cool. heartily recommend. It's yeah. uh, Ontological Coaching by Alan Sealer, And that talks about that whole mind-body connection and how the example that I found from being locked indoors for however long because of COVID mm-hmm. was that when you're at university or whatever you're doing, whether it's college, whether it's high school, whether you're going to work, you wake up in the morning, brush teeth, you might have a shower, whatever order that may be in. You, hopefully, you put the tea bag in before you put the milk in. But you know, of everyone's course. up for their own their own perspectives. But <laughs> you go through this sort of ritual to get ready in the morning. You get your keys, get in your car, you go to work. Yeah, step through the doors, you might say hello to someone that's always there before you. That kind of stuff. Yeah. But with lockdown, you wake up in the morning, and I literally will take my laptop and put it on my chest and sit in bed, just typing away for the first like three hours. And the ontological connotation to that is that we use our body to prepare our mind and we use our mind to prepare our body. So it's so important to engage your body in the activities that you're doing, because that is what will put you in that context and will get you ready. And when we think about Plato as a grappler, he talks about one of the most repor- important things in his republic was that there was a physical education that took place before the mental education because you have to understand your body before you can understand your mind because it's such yeah. an instrumental symbiosis that yeah. to overlook it is to completely disregard one of the most influential instruments in your learning which yeah. is this whole vessel that we that we all embody so it's yeah. really interesting how these i mean and we talk about as well how newer works are inspired by older works plato's a massive massive inspiration to ontological coaching and ontological learning and that's a philosophy in of itself so
0: what does that what does that mean so that word means nothing to me but what does ontological
1: i I still don't fully
0: get it so i am just throwing (laughs) it around to be fair but
1: ontological i think it is something to do with the mind and the body and the connection between the two i think that's what ontology
0: is ontology relating to the branch of metaphysics dealing with the nature of being great so that's also very confusing that's very hard (laughs) yeah it's showing the relationships between the concepts and the categories in a subject area or domain like how do we use that you've got to keep going through yeah yeah so third third definition ontology is also the study of how we determine if things exist or not so what is right. physical? What is it like the, the metaphysical? I love the word meta. I always feel like... It's, it's a cool word, isn't it? Yeah. When yeah. you put it before anything, you always sound like you know what you're talking about. And I'm sorry for exposing you there with the ontology thing. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> now,
1: I, I'm learning as well, but I think as well, talk about meta as well. It makes everything yeah. more complicated, doesn't it? You know, you've know, you got oh,
0: physics, yeah. but
1: metaphysics, now that is proper bringing it out.
0: Oh, blows my mind and i'm hoping that one day i become interested in it because it's such like a it's a pretty cool thing to know about that i think science as a whole like mostly i'm like right psychology and philosophy that's that's what i'm interested Mm. in at the moment but i do hope that i become interested in these different things and i'm sure at some stage i will because like when let's take let's take it back to books Mm. you can read a book on one thing they introduce an idea and you're like okay well i'm attaching to that idea now And then you read around that for maybe three or four books and then you find something else Mm. and you just go on this whole sort of pathway that expands and sort of grows, almost like cells sort of multiplying if we're going to keep it on the subject of science. Oh, it's getting science now. Yeah. (laughs) um, Where you're just sort of growing and things are splitting off and splitting and then you're like, okay, well now I've got two subjects that I'm interested in. And then all of a sudden it's four and then it's eight and it just keeps sort of doubling Mm. and compounding. And then all of a sudden you're moderately intelligent. Mad. Yeah. And
1: that's the dream, isn't it? To just yeah. to, just to be moderately intelligent is just, where I want just to A be. little bit.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but nice. yeah, no, you, even philosophy though, that's where it all started. Like yeah. um Descartes, he was in love with metaphysics, basically invented his own branch of it. Yeah. And that's where it all I think that's one of the things I do enjoy about going back to the older text as well, is because there's some stuff that I don't get. Like yeah. going back to space, what is going on up there? What's dark matter? What's, um, wh- where's where's the, where's the? I don't know. What, this, is, this is how yeah. flabbergasted I am. I can't yeah. even use words to describe what's going on yeah. there. Honestly, but yeah. then when you look back in history and then like Copernicus and stuff like that and figure out what they were thinking and build from their level of understanding, yeah. it starts to become a bit more comprehensive because you can see the evolution of thought throughout yeah. however long.
0: Yeah, definitely. You got to go back to the basics, especially with something like that, because when, when it comes to things like space, I've tried to listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson's book, um, Astrophysics, mm. for People in a Hurry. And I felt like my mind was blown. I, I could only listen to 10 minutes before I had to turn it off. My brain was hurting. So I'm hoping at some point wow. I can go back to it and, and soak it all in. I'll probably have to actually read the book to absorb it, because sometimes when you're audible you sort of you're driving or something you know you're trying to focus and not letting people crash into you and and mm, being a good driver yeah. <laughs> you don't need people yeah. talking about dark matter and and like relativity and stuff like that especially when it's it's new and it's fresh because that's when it gets very very confusing but um so. i'm sure at some stage everyone i will uh, i will read astrophysics for a people in a hurry and i i will dumb it down to my level and, and keep it there. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah.
1: What is your thoughts on Audible as well? Cause I really struggle with it. I am. Cause I am always a, like, you say, I'm always in that space where whenever I'm listening to an Audible, I'm always doing something else. Yeah. And it's, it's tough to focus on the two, the two like podcasts. It's a bit different because yeah. some, it's, it's something that has been created to be listened to. Yeah. But Audible is a bit of a different beast. I'd be interested to see what you think about it. I
0: I used to love it. So when I first started with books, I was listening, and I was listening all the time. And then it got to a stage where people would say something about a book. I'm like, yeah, I don't really remember that bit. And obviously, Mm. as soon as we go into the like sort of autopilot, (laughs) audible, we (laughs) we don't we forget things. And and like it it will go in briefly, but I always think whenever you're reading a book, the, the bits that need to speak to you will speak to you mm. and you'll notice maybe you'll, you'll read three or four pages. Can't you remember what any of the pages were about apart from two massive quotes that stood out, which then from there you attach the rest of those three or four pages to. So it's almost like, okay, I'll think about that and I'll unlock that. Um, mm. you know, there's, there's super smart people in the world that like they almost, you know, the people that have really good memories and, they access mm. different things by following like down a corridor into this door, turn left, turn right. And then they yeah. access that information. Um, that's what I feel audible does. But I think you have to be able to go down those paths and access it because mm. I, I certainly can't yet. But um, like memory is something that I am going to look into because my memory is pretty poor. Um, is it? Yeah. It, but like for things that I don't find that important, and, a, and I also, yeah, like, true. I have that stubborn streak in me. I'm like, well, if I'm not going to remember it. Like, my brain obviously doesn't want it. But then I'm also like, I could probably do it remembering a few yeah. more things. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's fair. Right. I'm, I'm in the same boat for that one. It's, my memory's not great, especially for organisation. That's why I need the, the whiteboard as a recycling. Oh, the like lovely whiteboard, and, yeah. Oh, honestly, it's beautiful. Thank you to Mitch for giving me this one. But it's, um, <laughs> just sort of, like, organisation and planning... Um, my memory's shocking but if i can get it written down or like in a planner or something i'm fine mm. but i i honestly like big kudos to people that you'll say something like two weeks ago you'd be like let's meet this obscure location this obscure time something like twelve yeah. twenty-two. like yeah. you, you never meet at one of those times but they'll remember it and yeah. it's never been written down but I'm, I'm not one of those people. No. And I think reading kind of helps that though, but I'm not there just yet.
0: Definitely. It's, it definitely has helped. organization stuff like that. When you're thinking about like habit stacking and things like that, like when you read mm. books about that. That's when it kind of sticks in. It's like, okay, well, this is definitely going to help my life. And there's a guy called Jim Quick. I've watched a few things on. He's, mm. um, he actually started his life. He had a brain problem and learned how to learn. And he learned wow. by reading about superheroes and he wanted to basically just be his own superhero and help people read faster. So that's, that's what he does. He's massive, he goes and like speaks all over the world. Um, he's written a book, which funnily enough, I actually bought an audible and I realized that I absolutely need to read this book and not listen to it. Yeah. So I was like, I need to take this in because this might just be the most important book I ever read. Mm. Cause it's yeah, about, talk
1: about meta, uh, meta as well. Learning how to learn. That's meta. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I think, I think everyone needs to learn how to learn because one thing I feel really strongly about is the fact that people don't appreciate learning enough. When, when, yeah, they, when they leave university or school, after that point, they think they've, they're done. They've mm-hmm. completed it. And some people, like, they'll go back to uni to do a master's and, and maybe some family members like, oh, why are you doing that? It's like, why would you mm-hmm. ever want to stop learning? What's, like, I feel the whole point in being a human is being able to absorb information Mm. from all over Mm. that that doesn't mean that i'm trying to absorb information all the time but like i'm trying i'm doing my bit to like try and yeah
1: definitely
0: and it's Mm. it blows my mind that people are just like nah i know enough and i'm like but you but you don't like no one can Mm. ever know enough maybe elon musk but he's still got like pitfalls where he could probably be a bit better
1: yeah Um, definitely yeah, it's it's strange, isn't it? And it's like, why why do you feel that people stop learning because of considering they know enough? I always think that it's something to do with the the point that there's so much out there. Like, what what have we spoken about in this? We've so, spoken about the theory of learning, philosophy, political institutions, economic institutions, astrophysics, astronomy, yeah. and we're talking very surface level about these subjects. Yeah. And to know about them, there's so much information. So it's so much easier for me to proclaim that I know everything about those six areas. Yeah. As opposed to saying that actually I don't know anything. And that's what, linking it back to uh, Aristotle as well. No, sorry. Plato, uh, I, I, I
0: saw this coming as soon as you said about. Yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> I've oh, been playing this yeah. in the beginning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he always knocks always about saying, I don't know anything. And then yeah. I think I, spoke, I told you about it, the fact that whenever he'd go into a conversation with people, like this, uh, Socrates was mm. the, the philosopher of the Seneca. He'd always go around speaking to people and asking them questions. And then even in the Republic, Plato writes about how one of them came to Socrates and was like, Socrates, what do you think though? And he mm. was like, I don't think anything. I, I will tell you whether what road we're going down makes sense and is a logical set of activities but i don't know anything
0: yeah and
1: there's a lot we can learn from that there's a lot we can learn from that
0: that's that's almost the stage where he's probably he could be seen by people as enlightened because when people reach enlightenment they're not thinking they they just do and and that's yeah that is prominent through a lot of philosophies about sort of not thinking too much and just doing and letting what is be um -hmm. and stuff like that which is really interesting and that's
1: beautiful I like
0: I I like the idea of the whole I know nothing because it makes you curious and curiosity I said this the other day it's bad for cats great for humans but people's sense of curiosity goes at a certain stage and that is to do with somewhere along the line as kids we're told stop your curiosity at some stage and may, it may not be explicit that someone says that in school, but, um, but it definitely happens. People aren't curious by the time they're in the mid twenties, they're, they're happy, they're settled or like mid thirties, whatever is there, they lose their sense of curiosity. And, and then some people, they find that like you like traveling, like I like traveling, like, mm. you need to keep that childlike play, that sense of curiosity, the interest in just things it, mm. it's nice to... Like, people say, oh, don't be a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none, but like, why not? Why not know honestly a little about a lot? Be like a GP. like Yeah. <laughs> just, just be yeah. a GP. Just learn a yeah. little about a lot. Go, go out and experience new things and then you can make your decisions so much better because you've got a, an abundance of information as opposed to just one set path where mm. you're stuck on these two tracks. Yeah. You just... Yeah, basically, be curious.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great—that's a great message, and it's—it's it's interesting as well the the travelling aspect because one thing that I that I was thinking then when you were speaking about curiosity and why it's lost as you grow up mm. is that when you're a child everything's new, like yeah. like how shiny this is. I've never yeah. seen a shiny thing before, like a magpie yeah. almost. Yeah. But then as you get older, like I know that's a, a coffee cup, and I know what mm. a calculator looks like, and I can deduce that. This laptop doesn't like this laptop, but I know it's a laptop and that kind yeah. of stuff. And you kind of it's this you, you fame yourself into knowledge of of everything. So then you sort of walk around you, your daily life, and especially if you stay in the same place, mm. you you're always associating and shortcutting all these mm. rich experiences because it's so mundane to you. Whereas yeah. when you go traveling, because it's all so new and yeah. So different, and when we talk about culture as well, that's that's an added complexity, which just makes it such a rich experience. Yeah. It's there's so much growth and there's so much curiosity because how can you even survive in those contexts yeah. without being curious? Because if you go in there as as a, a British person, um, and I, I all, all me going in there as someone from Manchester, just sort of going around going, yeah, I talking, that kind of stuff. <laughs> like it's it's not gonna work, is it? I'm not gonna make no. any friends, I'm not gonna be able no. to connect with people, but You're curious, and you consider the culture. And I mean, this is turning into a bit of a plug, so I'm I'm gonna stop there. No, no, no,
0: keep plugging, keep plugging.
1: Yeah, (laughs) but if you if you consider in the culture and you learn about it, and you are curious in your in your approach, and not like a not like a cat, then you're bound to find that that love for curiosity again. Yeah. And as you say, that traveling's a a huge inroad to keeping that spark alive.
0: Yeah. Definitely. And I think that's the one trait I would like, as I would, I would put in everyone, if I was to sort of brave new world, design my own human curiosity would be one of the main <laughs> sort of, main yeah. sort of traits that I put in people because it enhances not only their lives, but the people around them, because it's infectious. Like you hang around mm-hmm. people and you know people are like, Oh, your vibe attracts your tribe. Like it really, really does. When, when you're I've that kind of, that. kind of curious person. And mm-hmm. you then meet other people that are also and curious and, and you get on with them because you share the, share the sort of similar interest whereas if everyone's walking around on autopilot you don't even appreciate your best mate that lives next door like because yeah. they're all the time but if you met that person out there and had that same sort of connection you'd be so much more grateful for it definitely that's that's
1: brilliant that i like the the vibe attract tribe i've never heard that yeah. i'm
0: liking all these the syllogisms
1: like vibe <laughs> Bad for cats,
0: good for humans, that's yeah, brilliant. That's what I'm here for, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, you, so, so that was Aristotle, and then we went on a tangent, which is good. Um, your yeah, other book, that's a
1: good one. Be... So 100 Years of Solitude.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for clarity for everyone, my doorbell just went, so we just had to restart that bit. Um, so 100 Years, and that's a novel. So I asked you, obviously, to get a novel, because I want to keep it varied, although it's been very varied already. Um, mm. What was it about this novel that sort of stood out to you?
1: So it's set in South America in, I think, 1600s, very old. And it talks about the evolution of this family. Well, this village centred around this family. Yep. I can't remember what it's called. It's been ages since I read it. But yeah. the whole concept stuck with me. Like, that is a hard read. At the beginning okay. of the book, they you give you a family tree because there are so many people named the same Ooh. thing that you need to know how things are evolving and how people are actually growing up. Yeah. But with that in mind, once you get into it, it's amazing. It's yeah. like the most classical novel I think I've ever read. Like these ghosts in there, but sophisticated ghosts and these intrepid adventure, these uh, these controversy. Yeah. It's all going on in that book. And is it long? maybe like 500 pages i think
0: yeah she's it's, she's it's a, a scary it's a one big then. one yeah
1: <laughs> yeah is it when you look at it it's quite intimidating it's quite intimidating yeah. but it's worth it like the the way that it's written is just enchanting yeah seriously it's it's one of those books where well another one where i just could not put it down yeah i remember being sitting in my back garden and just reading through it because the way that it develops the story there's so many subplots and I don't know how they conceptualised actually writing this book. It must've been some sort of Bandersnatch-esque pinboard on the front, you know, with all the different uh, trees. Trying to to solve a murder. Exactly. I I don't know how they did it, but it's so elegant in its construction. And I think even with the the transition of family and the evolution of the, the village and, how it goes from this thriving metropolis almost on the coast of this South American town to this desolate place where everything comes to die because of a prediction made by some gypsies that come and give them gifts and stuff like that. So that's a little little tease of what happens. Yeah. Nice. So there's
0: like a little prophecy at the start. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Harry (laughs) Potter-esque.
1: Oh, it is a bit Harry Potter-esque. I'm not sure. Um, to be fair, J.K. Rowling's got a, got her work cut out after, <laughs> after reading this one. Yeah. But yeah, it's, they, they prophesied this thing and there's so much subtext to it as well. Like, I think they alluded to the fact that uh, Columbus is involved in this era. So if okay. you know when he was knocking about, that dates it a little bit. Okay.
0: But it's just beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. Nice. That's good. And... How long ago did you read that? Did you read that quite a few years ago? Maybe,
1: maybe like two years ago,
0: I think. Yeah. Well, that's good yeah. it stuck with you for so long. Um, I know you don't mm. read, you read sort of more business heavy now, but it's nice that yeah. you've got that one book that sort of stands out as the sort of your go-to novel, which is which is nice. Mm. So that's um, that'll be one for people. What what kind of person would you say will read that book?
1: Whimsical. If you, if you just <laughs> like, thinking about things and i think this is the interesting thing about novels and fiction as opposed to as opposed to nonfiction. like when, yeah. when you're in the business box it's knowledge heavy it's stuff that yeah. you can take away and think about you like when you're in a conversation just drop it in there with no yeah. real understanding of what it means it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah you know the extractive economic institution—it's just—it's yeah. obvious. And that, you wait—I'm going
0: to be using that phrase so much now. I'm oh, like, no, yeah. I was talking fine. to describe extractive it. economic institution. They're like, "What's happening like, <laughs> I'll get—I'll get you on the phone. <laughs> no, just Google it. I yeah. you know what I'm told you are. So they, yeah. I, I don't want to—I don't want to lead like you straight again. But it's, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it's one of those where you drop into a conversation, or maybe you do a bit more research on it, and you figure out what it actually means. But yeah, the the vocabulary that's used in a novel or a fiction and mm. the way that they craft the sentences and it seems like there's a bit of that in shoe dog as we as we were speaking about before but yeah the way that they just synthesize this dense dense story and bring these characters in so that you come to understand them and know them and relate to them yeah that's a different realm that you're in and it's so important to not consider yourself as, you know, I read business. That's all I read. I love yeah. business. I love inclusive economic institutions. Yeah. I love it all. You've got yeah. to make sure that you can go back to those books. And because they're the ones where there's a lot of growth in those books. They might not in, be...
0: In novels or the business books.
1: In in novels. Yeah.
0: yeah, I agree. So much
1: growth in those books.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. Because there, there is a message that the author is trying to get out and like like take something like Lord of the Flies... I've got it here because mm. I recorded an episode on that yesterday in in real-life land, not podcast land. 225 pages, and I was so attached to some of the characters, and I was gutted when some of them died. Seriously. Yeah, and yeah. there's really 225 pages to get people enough so they can be attached to maybe seven or eight characters but understand the whole concept and get across a a message Mm. of civilization versus savagery and like just really looking at the innate sort of like flaws in human nature in a book about Mm. kids on an island I just think it's mad I really respect the the brains of these people who write these novels because it is there's a, a Seneca quote actually it's like yeah, uh, if you want to live forever, you um no. If you want to attain wisdom, you must speak to the dead, and reading is the way of doing so. Wow! So that's like beautiful. Aristotle, that can he had been dead a long while, but you can speak to him yeah. through his and You can get into his brain, and that's how mm. I suppose sort of wisdom is passed down from generation to generation is through sort of books and education and yeah. like culture um, stuff like mm. that. It's, it's all yeah, it's all linked up. Books, be that okay. a novel or a non-fiction book, and I think it probably mm. was more on the novel side of things. Like you look at the majority of sort of the the texts that have come out of England, like the the great authors that everyone knows, like Thomas Hardy, um, mm. William Shakespeare. It's not non-fiction; it is all fiction and storytelling, and, and the message that they're trying to get across. But everyone knows mm. about Romeo and Juliet, about star-crossed lovers and how it doesn't work mm. <laughs> and it doesn't end well for anyone, mm. and. That the girl's just gonna let you kill yourself, <laughs> and she's gonna stay alive. <laughs> I, guess, yeah, I guess that's one yeah. way of interpreting it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. it's in it's interesting that um, I'm just, I'm conscious of time, but you did you did have another book um, on your nonfiction um, list, but I I want to scrap scrap that one and just for you in in an entrepreneurial and sort of public speaking space because that's obviously where your passions lie. And, and I think it's breezed over a lot in um, our generation, the public speaking thing, because people just instantly doom themselves and say, I'm not a public speaker and they're not willing to learn where, mm. when if they do learn, it will benefit them massively because when you can present at work, you, you catch the eye of, of the people up top because sometimes the people up top might not be the most intelligent, but they might be the best presenters and the best public speakers. So is there any sort of books that have influenced your public speaking enthusiasm?
1: It's a really interesting question, that. And I'm going to, with this answer, I'm going to try and draw together as many things as we've talked about today, because there's a yeah, lot of value yeah. in what we've spoken about. Yeah. So there's a book by the guy who made Ted into what it is today Yeah. that actually talks about great speeches and how they were constructed. And that's really good surface-level sort of way to start understanding public speaking yeah well this is where it all gets a bit complicated i think that that's great but what public speaking is about is about orating your passions and as you spoke about evolutionarily the way we've transferred knowledge is through stories and they've been told either by scripture or by conversation and it's so important to tell a good story that's yeah. why we're so attached to the books like shoe dog and Aristotle and Plato and that kind of stuff. Cause they tell a good story. They spin a good yarn, yeah. spin a really good yarn. And whether you're interested in astrophysics or you're interested in something way left field, if you can identify that passion and start with that,
0: mm-hmm. then
1: you've got one kernel there. And if you can imagine it as like four sections, so your first section is your interest and your passions and your experiences. Yeah. So yeah they're all the things that you're interested in there are all those kernels of astrophysics or whatever else we've spoken about yeah. And
0: then
1: moving on to the next one you've got things that you people actually care about people that your reference groups yeah so that condenses a little bit may fuse some of those kernels together but it all comes from a place of stuff that you really care about so you're yeah. going to know a lot about it so you'll feel comfortable in presenting and then yeah. the next stage being stuff you can actually present about which is stuff that people care about, which you know about, and you can then transfer into a slide deck or a convincing narrative. Yeah. Stuff like that. And then the last section just being stuff that you can present about, but is also digestible. So, you know, we don't have 500 pages of narrative in a presentation. Usually you've got no. about 10 minutes before people start falling asleep. Yeah. So. Being able to understand your passions, figure out what other people care about, transfer them into a narrative, and then also make sure that narrative is consumable is yeah. the best way to present. And that can come from any books that you read in, because as you say, you attach to the ideas that mean the most to you.
0: Yeah. And then from
1: there, you can then build up that knowledge repertoire and use that to inspire other people on what yeah. they care about and what it connects to the stuff that you've spoken about. So I'd say yeah. that's the best way all these articles about, you know, picture people naked or stand up and take three deep breaths before saying your first word. It's all nonsense. It's it's all about how comfortable you are in the subject matter. And that's why it's so important to be enveloped in that world and then to understand where those good ideas come from.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that's why it's like big respect to the people that present about stuff that they actually don't care about. Yeah, because
1: that's the, hard to
0: pretend passion is very difficult where mm. like if i was to do a spin-off podcast about football no one would listen to it because like i just don't care about it and yeah i wouldn't be able to people wouldn't see that i was passionate about it people would just think it's bullshit like i think it, with me whether the content's good or the content's not i'm passionate like and, yeah definitely and yeah I I like speaking and that's what I I like that you encourage the whole sort of public speaking thing because public speaking is something that I feel I've not necessarily got like an innate skill for, but whenever I've done sort of public speaking, it's definitely nerve wracking and you definitely sweat way Mm. more than you'd ever want to. But Mm. when you've spoken in front of a, a larger group and someone tells you you've done well and you've presented yourself well, there's nothing better. I spoke at my grandma's funeral last year And everyone came up to Mm. me afterwards and was like, that was a beautiful speech. Like you should do public speaking or like you need to like be a presenter or something like that. And I was thinking like, well, I don't just want to do like a tour of the funerals and and just chat. (laughs) It's an interesting niche. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although there are people that do that, the the sort of funeral directors, they've all got public speaking in them. Um, Mm. But now here I am with the podcast, so...
1: You found your own niche. Yeah. You
0: you win. You win. But yeah, it's interesting.
1: I think like the the whole idea of public speaking as well, just just for clarity, like this is public speaking because
0: the way that public
1: speaking has been construed is so strange. It's like, it's got to be a lecture. And everyone envisages themselves stood on this stage with this huge mass of audience members all sort of darkened out and them just standing there with a controller is shaking in the hand with slides you've never seen before. But public speaking is more accurately portrayed as conversation. And Mm -hmm. whether that's with your nan, with your best friend, with your dog, with yourself, it's, it's all public speaking. It's all presentation. It's all oration. And that's why it's so important to go from that basis of what you care about, as opposed to the basis of, how to speak in front of loads of people, because that's not public speaking. You'll start lecturing if you go from that perspective. Yeah. If you go from this one, you'll get like, like you say, that this is something that is something you care about. Yeah. And that's why it works so well. And that's why we're not lecturing. We're, we're conversing.
0: Yeah, definitely. And
1: if it were football, same for me, I haven't got a clue. I watched Match of the Day for the first time ever, like a few days ago. I must've been so bored. But (laughs) I couldn't. I couldn't do what they do. No, I, I'd be lost. I wouldn't yeah. know what to talk about.
0: But Where if it was speech of the day, you're the guy. Maybe I,
1: could, <laughs> I don't know what that would entail, but I think that maybe that's maybe that's the niche that I'm going for. Maybe that's what yeah. I need to look at. You but could yeah, do like
0: analytical videos of public speeches. Maybe I'll have to edit that out so no one steals the idea. But
1: do you know what? I will, sorry, you can leave it in there because I was thinking <laughs> of doing that. But then also, I think. Uh, I, I don't know whether I've got the experience just yet to to be critiquing the best pieces of all time, but we'll get
0: there. Nah, mate. Start now, get perfect later. I've told you this before.
1: Yeah, iterative, iterative, <laughs> uh, yeah. improvement. That's what it's about. Yeah, yeah you've just got to
0: go balls deep straight away and then just hope for the best. Yeah, I think.
1: Like buying a mic.
0: Exactly. And that's how it is. Exactly. That's that's the first step, and that's that's what it is. But um, but that's I'm uh, just conscious of time where can people find you let's 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 do the plug now because we've right. got a lot going on do
1: you want links or do you want i'll just...
0: i'll chuck i'll chuck the links um in the description for everyone and um, so once you've listened if, if you're interested in, in what stuart's doing i'd definitely recommend checking it out but where where can people find you and who will it benefit right so uh, let's I've just got... I, don't be be kind to yourself here don't don't be humble
1: okay i appreciate it. well <laughs> the public speaking stuff and the culture stuff is an interesting combination between the two. So if you're just interested in learning, if you're curious, if you want to know more about the world, if you want to go traveling, if you're interested in just meeting new people or being part of a community, both of them will benefit you. And I'm sure that you'll gravitate to the one that is most aptly appropriate. Yeah. So they're, they're the beneficiaries just there. So that's yeah. everything from, you know, C-suite execs to people going backpacking yeah. and they're all on the same level. You know, there's no hierarchy mm-hmm. here. We're all, we're no. all in this together. Yeah. And then, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, got the website for millennials and website for context. Yeah. All of them. Um, I try to be very responsive yeah. and the best thing would be to message me and then get my phone number because WhatsApp is the one for me. I'm really, yeah. really bad at social media. Even, even that distracted. we've got a
0: poor turnaround between us.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're not good, but we managed to organize this. So that's yeah. testament to our organizational skills because yes. it was on one of the boards.
0: Yes. So. Yeah. Hey, there we go. Take that off. That's great. That's great. Well, I'll, I'll, chuck all the, um, I'll chuck all the links in there. It's been very, very good conversation. You got any final sort of pearls of wisdom? This is one from my brother.
1: Yeah. This is one from my brother, um, and it relates directly to a lot of what I, what I believe. It's not where you've come from, and it's not where you're going. It's where you're at today.
0: Well, there you have it. That's the episode over. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want to find all the information about Stuart or where to find him, um, where you can reach him, I'll put all of that in the description of the episode. Obviously, same goes for myself. Anything you need to read, there'll be a link for that in the description. Always appreciate any reviews that you've got on Apple Podcasts or any follows, likes, um, subscribing, sharing everything. It really, really, really helps. I'd definitely say, please... All ladies listening to this podcast, whoever your best mate is that is a boy, send this podcast to them because I've got a very female heavy audience, which I love, but we got to get everyone reading. We've got to get this an equal split. So if you can do that for me, that's great. And that's all I'm going to ask from you this week. So take it easy, everyone.